In today's world, we are increasingly dependent on technology. Our business and personal lives rely on it, but as you've probably noticed, it's unreliable. They promise it'll get better, but it usually gets worse. Our computers are slow, so we end up squinting at smartphones and tablets. We live in constant fear that something's going to happen to our personal data. So we're scared into paying for fake protection that proves useless when disaster strikes. Update attacks, fake Wi-Fi, cloud control, and other industry scandals are designed to keep the money flowing. The jokers we pay to fix our stuff have no clue what they're doing, so they do a virus scan and then wipe out our precious photos. Intelligent, successful people feel intimidated by the chaos and think it's somehow their fault. If they only knew what the industry was doing to them, they'd get torches and pitchforks. If only we had someone to explain it all in plain English so we can start protecting ourselves. Oh wait, we do! It's the Computer Exorcist Podcast with your host, Mark Anthony Arena. From the Wallace Memorial microphone in my home office, overlooking the Cat of Worms in downtown Rochester, New York, this is the Computer Exorcist Podcast. So glad y'all joined me today. I have a really special guest today. I met him recently, and I hope you will find him as fascinating as I do. His name is Jim Shulman. What's going on, Jim? Life is pretty darn good, Mark. Thank you for the invite today. Yeah, uh, I, we we were uh, nerding out as as Jim said before the show, um, talking about early television sets and early radio and early speakers and early uh, record players and just fascinating. It, back when things worked well, right? Um, back when things were repairable. Why don't we just put it that way? <sighs> right, and when, designed with care and designed to be repaired. That's a huge thing with me. Mm-hmm. That's true. They can be rebuilt. Yeah, yeah. And and a lot of things, I mean, I don't even know. Like, the stuff you're explaining to me, I didn't even realize. Where, where I w- I'm in a club where young people are starting to discover the wonders of CRT televisions from the 90s. And what you're telling me is the earlier ones were even better. So that's just the stuff we don't realize, right? The stuff that was older that was better that we don't even realize was better. Mm-hmm. Huh. So those principles are what we do here on the Computer Exorcist Show. We talk about the philosophy and the ethics and the principles of technology, right? Stuff that the engineers don't care about, stuff that the engineers would love to bury and to deprecate and to brush under the rug. And we're here talking about them. Um, so I met Jim during one of those online networking meetings, and he's an expert on entrepreneurship. And... I, I love what you said to me the other day. The entrepreneurs start out vulnerable in life, and they build themselves up so as never to be vulnerable again. And that's so true for me. I was so broke when I was young, and I, I never want to be in debt at all. And I, another entrepreneur who I know, he says, Mark, the thing I hate most is debt, right? We, we build ourselves up and build ourselves up because we want to remain independent. We don't want to remain a slave to the debt. Is that right? Uh, the answer is yes. And typically, if you're a successful entrepreneur, you have more options. That's really what it's about, control and options. Yeah. 
So, for instance, as you know, you have more money in America. You have more respect. You have the ability to make choices about where you're going to live to a greater extent, how you're going to dress, who you're going to hang out with, uh, and particularly how you're going to spend your time. Yeah, that's See, thing, you, right on a day-to-day -day -day basis. You choose how you're spending your time to a far greater degree. Right, right, absolutely. I that's something so huge for me. I can't stand sitting in a cubicle, just just doing repetitive things, and especially when I was in the corporate world, just doing fake things that didn't help anybody. Right. I, I didn't mind before that job. I did work for a business, and it was a family business, and we were actually doing something. We were selling parts, and we were helping people fix their stuff. And you know, I don't mind working for someone per se as long as I'm actually doing something that's fruitful and actually helping society. But but still, right? You and I want to do what we want with our own time. That's so huge. That's why we do what we do. And and as people say, well, I would never. I don't want to take a risk and start a business. That sounds scary, right? But for people like us, we are so bent on doing our own thing that we don't care about the risks, huh? Well, what I look at is there are essentially two types of people, Mark, in business. There are folks like you and I. We live on what we sell. Mm-hmm. And there are folks whose bank balance increases every two weeks when their company deposits money into it. Regardless of what they did. Yeah, regardless week. of what they did, as long as they are still within their employ. Mm -hmm. So I look at it this way. Each group thinks the other is completely insane. And both are right. <laughs> and both are right. <laughs> Oh, that's great. Sure. And I guess it boils down to whatever makes you happy, you know? Well, it's also what can you do? Most of the entrepreneurs I've encountered do not play well with others. Me. And the idea of them working for somebody else is something that probably could be measured in nanoseconds. Me. For both parties. <laughs> um, and as you mentioned, there are people who love to be employees, love the, I'll call it the alleged security, because yeah. eventually everybody's going to be fired from a job. Yeah, it doesn't matter security. what it is. Maybe not the government, but companies merge, companies have layoffs, companies decide that they're going in quotes another direction and they get rid of old people and it's illegal, but they figured a legal way of doing it. Um, so eventually, you know, a W-2 employee is going to be unemployed. Yeah, but for yeah. the present, the idea is if I have this job, I can count on money this week. I can count on it two weeks from now. I can count on it two weeks after that. And everything is fine as far as that's concerned. It's a very different way of looking at the world. Yeah, that's so true. I mean, you know, you, you're not yeah, kidding you, with the nanoseconds. I, I worked for this one corporate job, and, and I loved the people there, and I loved the boss and everything, but I was there for a month before they kicked me out. They kicked me out right right out to the mm -hmm. curb because I, I was late every day and whatever, and I just, it's not me. And I thought there was something wrong with me because here I'm a young guy, I'm fresh out of college. I thought there was something wrong with me. No, it's just, folks, if you're out there and you're wondering what to do with your life and you think you're a failure, no, it means you're really good at something you haven't discovered yet. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. Uh, what about, oh, there were so many things that, that we talked about. Um, tell me... Oh, you, you were, when, when I explained to you what I did for a living, um, how I expose the 
lack of ethics in Silicon Valley, and I expose all of the scummy things that they're doing to people with the rental scandals and everything. You called me the Amazing Randy. Can you expand on that? Well, the Amazing Randy was a, I'll call it a magician, uh, a, mag a magician who exposed fraud. And the whole idea behind magicians is they really are, should be called illusionists. These are people who will convince you that what you have seen is amazing or magical or came out of midair. But there are all tricks. They are all techniques that were behind it. And what the amazing Randy did was expose fakes who would go in and try to convince people they had magic supernatural powers. And his point was, this is all a fake. This is all an illusion. And if you're believing any of this, you're being duped. And there was a famous incident with the amazing Randy where uh, there was a, fame, uh, a magician, illusionist, mentalist, whatever, who would claim to bend spoons. Now, Randy knew that these were tricked spoons or had been pre-bent or they had been modified in some way. So he got in cahoots with the stagehands when this, uh, this person was going on a major TV show, and they swapped out his doctored cutlery for just off-the-shelf cutlery. And then Wanda watched him on TV, and amazingly, for whatever reason, the stuff wasn't bending. Well, it wasn't bending because it wasn't the doctored material. You know, and I'm willing to bet that a lot of people thought these magicians were actually magical until this guy. I'm willing to bet that he's the reason why we now watch magicians just as as tongue in cheek mm -hmm. entertainment, right? Well, that and also there was an excellent episode a while ago on uh, uh, last week tonight uh, about uh, mediums and fortune tellers and people who claim that they can divine the future. And the point is, it's a bunch of garbage. Yeah. And they've described there are two types of what they call reads. There's a cold read and a hot read. Where they're groping and for cold, answers, right? And when you yeah. give them a clue, and a cold they, read yeah. is when they get you to start talking about something and they can divine what is important and they'll throw things out based upon that. And your reaction is, oh my goodness, you read your, my mind. You're amazing. Yeah. A hot read is when somebody does their research about you beforehand and then in the course of the reading starts what? dropping things and they're saying, my goodness, how did you know this? So what? In, in either case, you know, in either case, it's uh, so I'm going to call it the willingly duped. How's that? Wow. That's and interesting. If you believe anything beyond that point. Essentially, what you're believing in is the desire to believe in something. Because you want to believe. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. What? Uh, and, and before we go on, tell us a little bit about how you got started in business and get, give us your backstory. Well, my backstory, Mark, is that I have been in sales for over 40 years. <sighs> and I sold everything from polyester pants. I sold... Uh, China to college women over the phone. I think I'm personally responsible for the do not call law as a result of that. <laughs> uh, I sold uh, plumbing, uh, toilet chemical supplies, knockoffs of Franklin Mint models, and did that for years 
was in the catalog industry for a while. And in 1996, I set up my own business. Mm -hmm. And I was selling marketing services at that point. What I found is that I hated it. And the reason that I hated it was that my clients were buying my services from ask over underlying problems. Whoa. And I'll give you an example. For instance, if a company has a bad salesman, the salesman usually blames marketing. Yeah. So as I described it, I created incredibly good marketing so they could sell poorly, but with incredibly good marketing. Oh, and I see this all the time in my industry where the companies that have the worst products have huge marketing budgets. So people are buying this stuff from HP and Samsung because of the huge marketing budget and the huge kickbacks they give to retailers. But in reality, the product itself is utterly useless. Yeah, and I've seen situations with obsolete products and the organization wanted to sink more marketing money in it. In one case, it was an industry that within a six-month period had basically decamped outside of the United States. So nothing you were going to do was going to change that. Huh. Wow. That's, yeah, that's something. And they could just, they could just sell anything and wow. So what did you do? Well, my change came Christmas week of 1999. I was standing in the hallway of a major insurance company office in Philadelphia, and I saw an admin pushing a dumpster down a hallway yelling, bring out your marketing materials because their compliance department at headquarters had swapped out six semicolons and a couple of iStock pictures. basically to justify continuing to keep their jobs, thinking they're valuable. And people were coming out of their offices, flinging these shrink wrap packages of marketing materials into this dumpster. And I looked at this and I said, I am never making dumpster food again for the rest of my life. I only want to work with the poor bastards who have to sell to make a living. So I started as a business consultant to very successful financial advisors. Then I began working with attorneys. Then I began working with CPA firms and other related consulting firms. And I'm in year 23, and I absolutely love it. No way. And, and, And I love how you said, like, that unrefinement is our brand, right? So many of us sit there, and I've done this too, where I think it's a daunting task. Oh, I'm going to have to get very refined, and I'm going to have this, I'm going to that. And and what you told me was, look, if your message is good, who cares? You know, the, the, who cares if you're sitting there in a bathrobe, right, with poor lighting or whatever? Just get that message out there because that's what matters. No one cares what the person looks like if they've got some revolutionary idea. Well, I'm going to add that people don't care as long as it doesn't violate their world view about something. Oh. Okay, so if I have an expectation of going to a very fancy restaurant with a certain experience and the maitre d' walks up to me in ripped jockey shorts and flops, it's probably not going to be all that acceptable. In other words, but if I'm going online to hear stories or listen to somebody talk, and that's a person I relate to, and it's genuine, yeah, how they look is perfectly fine. It also refers, Mark, to do you feel comfortable in your own skin? Mm -hmm. And as an example, how many times have you and I been on networking group calls or meetings where everybody is pretending to be brilliant and charming, and last week I, uh, I cured cancer and I fluoridated water, 
and I was in a triathlon and beat the Olympic trial uh, testers. But they were so you know? starched and stiff, right? Yeah, exactly. And the point is, everybody can sense that. Huh. And you walk away knowing, I just got to see a bunch of facades. And I think people are thirsting. People want to find somebody who is themselves. Now, mm. what's nice about that is you can either reject me for who I am, or you can say, wow, this is a guy I want to hang with. And this is a person who I think can help me. So you and I, I'll say by extension, are defined as much by the people who we don't work with as the ones we do work with. Whoa. Whoa, I'm writing that down. Wow. By who we don't work with. Yeah, like you said, you don't want to be out there just, just making fodder for the, for the dumpster. Right. Or you don't want to work with somebody who's a complete phony right. and isn't themselves or is pretending to do something that they're not doing. Who doesn't, you know, and it goes back to something you shared with me, Mark. Do you have the same ethics that I do? Mm -hmm. You have the same ethics about behaving toward coworkers, behaving toward clients and vendors. And it may be an industry that's known for fakery yeah. where you want to be the class act. Love it. In an industry with fakery, be the class act. Wow. Many, many years ago, a story about that, Mark. Many years ago, I worked with, or I was on an airplane flight coming back from China. I'd been doing some businesses, uh, consulting with somebody, looking at opportunities. And on the way back, I'm chatting with this nice guy from suburban Philadelphia. And I said, okay, what's a nice guy from suburban Philly doing and living in China? And he said, I met a Chinese lady. She wanted to live in China. I said, that makes sense. Well, what do you do there? I run a logistics company. And I said, wait a minute, you run a logistics company. I said, doesn't they like, doesn't everybody eat your shorts on that because you're a foreigner and that they undercut you? And, and he started laughing and he said, Jim, I have more business than I know what to do with. Why? And I said, why is that? And he said, because the government watches me so closely I have to follow all the laws to the letter, absolutely to the letter. So as a result, whenever I send a shipment, everything is done right, and it never gets held up in port. Mm. If you try to cut corners, it might wind up in Baltimore or Los Angeles, but it's not going to be released from port if the paperwork hasn't been done properly and the documentation hasn't been done properly. Mm. And for a lot of goods, uh, you know, it's a note to your audience, for a lot of goods that are per, uh, made overseas and shipped to the U.S., there is a, an irrevocable letter of credit that is involved with this, where how the person's getting paid for it. But there are typically stipulations on this that might be based on timing. So let's say I had to have the goods released and in my warehouse by uh, September 9th for the Christmas season mm -hmm. and it gets held up in port and it's not going to be released from port because of paperwork problems and so forth until September 25th. I might have the option as the buyer of saying you're out of terms. You can sit on this junk. Wow. So, so, so people went to him is stuck with it. So would it make sense to pay a little more? and go with somebody where you know you're not going to have any problems with it being released from port. Wow. 
or do you want to save some money and run the risk of having your entire shipment rejected? Okay, two things there. Number one, defining myself by who I don't work with. I, I, in the beginning where I was hungry, I tried to work with everyone, right? But very shortly after I started, I, I, when people call me up, oh, can you just do a quick clean? I just want a quick patch. I just want a quick whatever. And I would say, no, 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 no. I do real proper cleanup. I prevent issues. I rip out all the fake scanners. I rip out everything so that you don't have a problem for a very long time. So, and and so I defined myself by being a guy who didn't want to be the one who would slap duct tape on something and just oh, can you just do a quick cheap slap of duct tape? No, I'm gonna do it right. But also, same thing here. What you're saying later on, I I raised my prices and people didn't mind because they knew that when they paid me, they wouldn't run a risk of losing anything, right? They would get the job done right. If they went to somewhere else, and I would say, go right ahead, go right ahead to someone else, go ahead. They would destroy everything, and then they'd have to come back to me anyways. And I I had a lady the other day, I don't know if I said this on the show, uh, I think I did, where she got a long-time client, she got a scary message on her screen, gave the scammer all her credit cards. Okay, fine. Instead of calling me, the bank said, you should go to a computer store and get a virus scan. So she went to some joker. Joker destroyed her machine, erased everything she cared about, erased all her emails and photos, did a 1981 virus scan, shrugged her shoulders, handed it back to her, and charged her a fortune. So now she's got to pay me, and I'm cheap in comparison, and, and I'll, yeah. So I like what you said there, where people would rather go with someone where they know it's going to be done right. Okay, and another thing that I have found, Mark, is that if somebody is talking to you and you quote what a job or what it's going to be involved, if they mention the use the word just, Mm -hmm. if they use the word just, it is a red flag that says, I really don't know the details of what I'm asking for. I don't think it's all that large or important. Can you just put this? And I'm telling you this at the beginning. So what I have found, especially in technology fixes, is there is no just. Mm -hmm. There is no just. There may be a project that's relatively straightforward. And as you've seen in your experience, a lot of stuff that looks straightforward turned out to not be straightforward right it's always tip of the iceberg yeah i have a brother who will say like oh just go patch that one tire i don't want all new tires just patch this or whatever but yeah in in my industry Mm -hmm. there's always a tip of the iceberg and and a lot of people the good news is a lot of people call me up and they don't say just they say hey mark i have some little issue Mm -hmm. come look at it and then when i get there i show them the Mm -hmm. underlying problem i show them the Mm -hmm. cavities so to speak and 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 the other thing related to that too mark is that the second you so much as breathe on their computer, you own it. Great Meaning point, and they hold me responsible. Every possible thing wrong with it, going back to the point when the boards were soldered. Yeah. Because you will hear the words if there is a tiny little thing that you might have fixed. Wait a minute. Uh, this never happened before you showed up. Ever since you were here, right? And luckily, I don't have a lot of those folks, but I do have them. Ever since you were here, in their defense, it's a black box, right? When I bring my car to a mechanic and then something goes wrong afterward that wasn't there before, sure. And and they don't know any better. It's a black box. And that's why I do referral only, so they trust me. And, yeah, that's interesting. Well, we've got an article, Jim. we got, like, eight minutes left. You want to do an article? 
You do an article. Let's go. This is from. Hang on one second. Here it is. Outkick, February 2021, right? And, and I do articles a couple years later um, so that we can see them from a different perspective, right? Apple mm -hmm. nearing deal with Hyundai Kia. Autonomous cars are coming, right? In, in the future, in the next couple of weeks of 2021, right? So, so we see the fake inevitability, like you were saying before, right? Where it's that illusion, right? Um. So the idea of Apple Cars has been around for years, but on Wednesday, we got one step closer to that reality. Apple is close to finalizing a deal with Hyundai Kia to help manufacture Apple-branded vehicles. It looks like this thing is going to be a go. The electric vehicle is expected to be fully autonomous. In other words, it will be designed to not be operated with a driver. Right, so I, I get, I mean, Apple products already don't have a way to control them, right? They got rid of the headphone jack and they got rid of the mm -hmm. charging port. And my joke is that next week they're going to get rid of the screen, uh, because <laughs> who needs that anyway? It, it's all about just buying a thousand dollar piece of plastic for your pocket. Um, the top speed is expected to be uh, one hundred and sixty miles an hour. So what? So the car is going to enjoy itself and go wahoo as it goes down the road? Like why would it? Uh, Apple Car will go into production in 2024 in Georgia. It'll go 300 miles on a single charge, and unlike our iPhones, it can have 80% charge in only 18 minutes. Why my phone can't do the same, I'll never know. That's the author's comment. Um, in, in, in my comment side note here is, instead of actually fixing the things we actually need to fix, right? Like, imagine technology that helps us care for the elderly, or some kind of technology we actually need. No. No, it's it's all about Apple making iPhones that nobody you know making garbage that nobody ever needed, and this autonomous industry forcing products down our throat that we never needed and don't want, and they're testing them on our roads and running people over and killing them. Um, so Apple is going to invest 3.6 billion in Kia Motors. So quick comments here, right? They always say it's inevitable. It's just around the corner. And, Jim, you remember in the 90s, I'm sure, those jokes that went around, right? If Microsoft made cars, right, all our cars would crash on the side of the road and we would shrug our shoulders and accept this as reality? I do remember that. Uh, I remember also the phrase when you heard, like it or not, this is what the future is or this is what the present is. Right. If no one but, wants but, this autonomous, but, nobody but, wants it. A majority of people don't want it. Well, and the interesting thing, too, is we have autonomous cars. We've had autonomous cars for a while. Certainly San Francisco was running some, I'll just say now, infamous experiments with autonomous uh, versions of taxis or Ubers or whatever you want to call a hail service. The problem is, is that we have autonomous vehicles, as you alluded to, that randomly kill people. Yeah, and that's because okay. Judgment. Apparently for the autonomous car is not up to the level that we find acceptable. Mm -hmm. And and that's, yeah. so, so I, I came up with a little list of jokes now, if we were going to do a modern day version of that joke, what if mm -hmm. Apple made cars? Well, you'd have to have Apple branded socks and underwear and pants and shirt to drive it. The car would have a kill date and it would explode at a random time and destroy itself. And people would shrug their shoulders and accept this. Um, it will, um, attack each passenger for eight passwords and eight verifications before you're allowed to get in the car. 
and it won't allow you to log in most of the time. And by the way, it'll always be at 1% charge because every iPhone owner I know is always at 1% charge. So you'll have to have some kind of a little charging packet on the roof of your car um, because everyone's always at 1%. Final thoughts, Jim? Yeah, the thing I would add is that that even if it's by the side of the road broken or waiting for a charge or something, they're still going to feel superior to anybody in an internal combustion engine vehicle. Because <laughs> it'll be prettier and quieter. Well, and because it's now the new technology or the one that people who are truly sophisticated are going for. But, you know, uh, Apple has what now? I think you could tell me better, like 50... Three fifty-four percent of the U.S. market. Android's around forty-one, and I think everybody else hasn't declared a major. Uh, <laughs> right. I like keep with yeah. your flip phones, people. If you if you're comfortable with them, keep them. Well, it's funny you mention that. If if you're comfortable with them and you want something that's going to hold the charge like for ages and weeks, months, if it's not in a lot of use, yeah, that's the case. Yeah, and, and you know, as you were saying this, Jim, I, I'm realizing, like, I honestly think, and this is a beautiful thing, and I hope this is true, that Apple missed the boat here, is all of the, the smug people, uh, as uh, there was a South Park episode about smog cars versus the Prius drivers who, who emitted smug from their cars, all the smug mm -hmm. people already bought Teslas. And all those superior-feeling people already have Teslas. Tesla has, what, 10, 15-year advantage on everybody else, head start on everybody else. And yeah. um, I, disclosure, I'm a very happy stockholder of them. But I, I think I, I think it's a beautiful thing. I think Apple missed the boat. And, and one good thing, uh, Dr. Hull was my teacher in, in business school, and he taught me about paradigm shift. And he said, look, whenever a new technology comes out, You'll have a lot of, of people who don't go on to the next world, and you'll have a lot of newcomers, right? So like CRT televisions, when that was over, we lost NEC and Panasonic and JVC, and then in the new world of LCD televisions, right, um, Vizio rose to, and Samsung rose to fame, mm -hmm. right? Well, and if you look, go back to the example of electric vehicles, we have had electric vehicles going back more than a century. And there were decided advantages to an electric vehicle at the turn of the century. They were much easier to drive. You didn't have to crank over an engine. You didn't have to maintain an internal combustion engine, which was really balky. The problems have remained the same as well, meaning limited range, issues of charging, issues of uh, infrastructure, okay? The same things were around in 1910 in many regards as we have today. Um, in that era, the person who bought an electric car typically was a wealthy woman who huh. could be able to use it to go from her house into town for shopping, to visit friends and come back. And the f term for them was homing pigeons because they'd always have to come back home to get back on the charger. Aha, uh -huh, the homing pigeons, right? The homing just... pigeon. Eventually, they'd have to come back. And in the case with electric cars, quite frankly, there are, until we lick the issue of convenience for power, they're going to remain interesting curiosities. 
Yeah. Because and, and... until you can remove uh, range anxiety, until you can remove issues of where can I get more power, is something going to be available, how much more time is it going to take, and so forth. Um, you're still going to be at the point of people who were fascinated by the technology, but it's not going to be something where everybody is going to want one because of the issues of convenience and the issues, frankly, of having reliability and reliability that I could jump in the car at any time, not have to worry about a power source. And if I needed something, I can quickly get the fuel that I need, whether it's gasoline or electricity, and go. But I'll leave you with this one thought, Mark. Is there anything more tedious than going to a dinner party or some other kind of party, and there are the gaggle of people together talking about their electric vehicles? <laughs> right. And all the conversation is is range and charging. Yeah. And, and, and with any luck here, number one, Apple won't survive this paradigm shift or, or Apple won't won't move on. You know, they'll just kind of fizzle out like Kodak and Xerox. Um, but, but also Tesla claims that actually Tesla and Toyota are working on batteries that will last for zillions of, of miles on a single charge. So, so that'll be interesting. And, you know, me personally, you know, you could take my sports cars out of my, my classic motor sports cars out of my cold dead hands but for a daily driver i wouldn't mind electric i don't have a problem with batteries i do have a problem with the fact that they're trying to sneak in right like what do you call it? like pork barrel spending they're trying to sneak in and bundle in with electric cars they're trying to bundle in control right where my car will all of a sudden crash or get an update attack because of the evil computer inside remember these are cars that are controlled by evil tablets Mark, it's already the case right now. You can brick almost anything that's been made in the last five to ten years. Good point. Even my modern motor vehicles, motor electric cars, uh, uh, modern engine cars. You can cars, take yeah. it over. You can disable them. In a way, I'm kind of surprised that hasn't become the norm, say, for people who are in arrears on an auto loan. Right. You know, why right repossess when you can just brick? And, and that's a good point. I have seen technology, actually. They're, they're little devices that you plug into the engine, and if someone doesn't pay their bill, the car doesn't start. And honestly, mm -hmm. I mean, that's sort of fair. I get it. If you don't pay for the car, it's not yours. That's fair. But but the ridiculous stuff that's happening in the computer industry is, is going to start happening, where Apple attacks people if you don't log in correctly. right? Or a couple of years ago, there was a Labor Day outage, where Tesla, through some really dumb decision relied on Microsoft cloud technology for the, for the logins for your car? Well, one thought about this, Mark, I have a friend of mine who does big data assessment work with IBM uh -huh. and travels all over the world. And one of the things that that person shared with me is that we now drive the most amazing data collection devices ever created that happened to take us from one point to another. Yeah, that, that secondarily, right? And I said, yeah, that secondarily drive us around. Primarily, they're there to to monitor us. Um, absolutely. When, when people call me, oh, I have a problem with Microsoft Outlook. And I say, okay, look, 
The secondary purpose of Microsoft Outlook is to deliver your email. The primary purpose is to be open to all threats at all times and to crash and destroy itself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if we had time, um, I have another article in the briefcase, and this is up to you. We could do this another day or, or whatever, but uh, I have an article here about Tesla workers talking about the cars uh, recording videos of people interacting with their families in their garages and their laundry rooms or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm not surprised at all. Look at the ring. Look at the ring doorbell and ring uh, home security monitoring uh-huh. issues. Uh-huh. Look at the issues that are coming from the latest generation of televisions. Are they looking at me? They have the capability of looking at me in my room yep. to see what I'm doing, to see how I'm reacting to shows, to see all sorts of things. Yeah, Samsung so TVs, the- folks. If you have a Samsung TV, disconnect it from the internet immediately. It is listening to everything you say in your home. So, Jim Schulman, um, how do people get in contact with you and what kind of clients are you looking for? Well, the people I work with are successful, established entrepreneurs who have thriving businesses. They built them themselves. They are constantly searching for the next great idea. And usually they're frustrated because they have a lot of great ideas and they don't know how to monetize them. Mm -hmm. That's where I come in, helping people pick the best idea of the bunch helping them monetize it with their existing resources and getting the revenue that they really should be having. Oh, that's, uh, uh, and when I met you, you know, I I said, that's so me, Jim, that's so me. I have great ideas and I have no idea how to implement them and monetize them. And and that's so needed. So we will keep in touch and thank you so much, Jim. And thank you for the invitation. I had a wonderful time talking with you. And uh, your points and questions were absolutely spot on. Oh, thanks. I'm so glad. So glad you enjoyed. We'll talk to y'all next week. Thanks for listening. TheComputerExorcist.com. Buy my book for all your friends. Talk to you later. Mm